Tonight's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 26 through 33. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to your span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O people of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. The word of the Lord. Looks a lot different from up here. That verse reminds me of a song that one of my heroes from childhood sang. I'm going to meet him on Tuesday. I'm making a pilgrimage. His name's Bo Conrad. He was a singer. He went to Bethel back in the late 60s, early 70s, and he had a phenomenal band called the Bo Conrad Spit Band. You can Google them and, and find some amazing things, like the fact that Bo Conrad won the Soapbox Derby back in 1963 or sometime. Anyway, the song goes like this. Consider the lilies, how stately they grow. They toil not, they spin not, no seeds do they sow. Yet bloom all the summer, so shining and tall. Their Father in heaven takes heed for them all. Will Campbell died on June 3rd. If you don't know who he is, find out. And if you only read one book this year, read Brother to a Dragonfly, which is Will Campbell's memoir about his youth and his relationship with his brother and the civil rights movement. This is a true story about Will Campbell and some of the people in the audience tonight. When most guys in their 40s have reunions with their college buddies, they go golfing. My friends and I make pilgrimage to, to the graves and homes of authors who have influenced us. Actually, we've only done this twice. The first time was in 2004, when we met in New Orleans to visit the grave of Walker Percy. In May of 2005, we took our second pilgrimage to Nashville for the release of Reverend Russell's book, Post-Rapture Radio. The book is a critique of the megachurch movement and the evangelical ascendancy, which, 
To a bunch of disillusioned evangelicals, looks like a sign of the end times. It's also about the good news. Four of us, Chris from New Jersey, Kurt from San Francisco, John and me from Minnesota, played music at the party, which was held in conjunction with a convention of the Emergent Church, a 21st century of the G- version of the Jesus people, evangelicals and fundamentalists who hope to do a better job of saving souls by being hip and relevant. Instead of long hair and one-way signs, like the 60s Jesus people, it's goatees and irony and an occasional tattoo. Russell, who started a church in St. Paul with other friends of mine, Debbie Blue and Mark Stenberg, that's gotten a lot of buzz among this crowd, is a reluctant icon of emergent, what the insiders call the movement. But Russell has no interest in saving souls. He thinks that's what God does. He would rather enjoy people's company and talk about good news. It was his idea to be as unhip as possible by having my bad country band play at this event. The party went well. Russell read from his book. People felt like they were in on the joke. But we had really come, eight of us this time, to pay homage to Will Campbell, another old Southern mentor, a Baptist preacher gadfly who was involved in the civil rights movement but was ostracized by some for befriending members of the KKK. He also toured with Waylon Jennings for a time as his cook. Some of us being country music fans, that was just another reason to seek him out. Russell had sent Will his book, hoping he'd write a blurb for the back cover, but he'd lost it. Twice. Undaunted, the Reverend Russell called him before we left for Nashville to see if we could stop by. He said we could, so after a morning of reminiscing and getting up on stage on Lower Broadway to play our songs and a lunch at Jack's Barbecue, Russell called and asked if it was a good time for us to come out. He said, yeah, we could drink beer and tell some lies. Come on out. Will's cabin is tucked back in a patch of woods in the Nashville suburbs, hemmed in by subdivisions and fast food franchises. We drove past a small house and over a ditch to Will's writing cabin, square logs chinked with cement, where he was working at a pre-Windows computer. He met us at the door and invited us in. He sat in an old dentist chair. If you're curious, there's an old Life magazine article that shows a picture of him sitting in that dentist chair from about 72. The rest of us scattered on a couch, a rocker, and the floor. Four of us had become acquainted with Will's books at the Oregon Extension, where Brother to a Dragonfly was required reading. You've seen some of the pastors, some of the professors at Oregon Extension preach here. We'd turned two of the others onto the book, but two of our group, Presbyterian Parson Bill and Lutheran Airport Worker Neil, there he is, had no idea why we were sitting at the feet of this old man in the dentist chair. They played along, and by the end of the day, they were disciples too. As we sat around his cabin, the conversation bounced from Waylon Jennings and Jesse Coulter to Walker Percy and Thomas Merton, who were all close friends of Will and his wife Brenda, or Suge, as we knew her from the book. We told Will about our visit to Percy's grave, and Russell asked me to sing a song I wrote called We're All Going to Heaven, which I did reluctantly. Campbell told us about Waylon's cocaine addiction, 
claimed he was Percy's father confession, confessor. He'd tell me things he'd never tell his priest and suggested that Merton's death in Bangkok was not an accident. Will regretted not demanding to examine the body of Father Lewis, Merton's Catholic name, the priest with whom he started the radical Christian journal Catalagate, from which our country band, Cattlegate, got its second name. Google it and you might find some of John's songs. When I snuck outside for a smoke, I saw a picture of Merton on Will's wall. He was sitting yogi style with a funny smile and a Katalagete t-shirt. Next to his picture was a kitschy cartoon of a bird. Look at the birds of the air, the caption read. My favorite Bible verse. I walked around the shack to a patio. A scrap metal angel stood beside a round, fountain-like pool of algae-colored water, a baptismal font. I found a small natural amphitheater with a huge stone altar, half surrounded by a flagstone wall topped with a thicket of bamboo. An old Massey Ferguson looked out of commission, and its companion disc was forgotten on the margin of the woods, half hidden in a few years' worth of weeds. The potatoes were coming up in the garden. Four tomato plants were held up by metal cages. The grass was long, dressed with white clover flowers. A Martin house sat cockeyed and uninhabited on a pole. Back in the cabin, Chris was asking Will about race and the church. Will said he was disappointed in the lack of progress the church had made during his lifetime. I'm a member of an all-black church in Nashville, he said. The pastor is a good friend of mine, but I'm the only white person there. And to tell you the truth, I don't feel very comfortable. And I don't think they're very comfortable either. He had nothing good to say about President George W. Bush. I'd take 10 Ku Klux Klans in exchange for one George Bush. The Iraq War, which he called evil, or that shithook, Little Billy Frist, he was the Senate Majority Leader at the time, a senator from Tennessee. I asked him if he had any hope that the country would get back on track, thinking old Will would come up with something. I've never been afraid for my grandchildren before, he said, but I am now. He said he told his kids to hang on to that 50-acre Mississippi homestead he still owns. Go ahead and sell this place, but not that one. That's in the middle of nowhere. No one's going to waste a nuke on rural Mississippi. On the subject of terrorism, he asked, you ever been hungry? We shook our heads. He told a story from his Mississippi childhood about the first time he saw a classmate eating sliced bread. Will had a boiled sweet potato for lunch, and that bread looked awfully good. When the kid got to the heel, Will got the nerve to ask him for the last piece. That's my favorite part, the kid said, gobbling it up. Will's conclusion, earmuffs. I wanted to kill him and walk over his cold blue corpse. I hate that motherfucker to this day. Ooh, they're crying. <clears throat> the message was clear. How can the inevitability of revenge be lost on our leaders when they are the first to practice it? Not wanting to outstay our welcome, we started gathering up the beer cans. Brenda had called to ask if we could help unload some big bags of bird seed. 
So Will and a couple of the guys walked over to the house. I headed back out to the patio where I saw a rusty crowbar and slipped it in the pocket of my shorts. A crowbar is a good tool. You can pry the lid off stuff. You can dismantle things that need to be dismantled. You can even use it for self-defense. I covered the protruding end with my shirt. Then I sang, Why Me, Lord, with Chris and Kurt, who walked up carrying a guitar. Somebody came and told us Will wanted to stay a little longer, so I stashed the crowbar in the trunk, grabbed my guitar, and walked over to his house. We spent another hour singing, talking, and laughing with Will and each other. Will sang, too. Brenda, who had recently had a hip replaced, limped out and joined us for a time. Pastor Kyle and our friend Bill, a Presbyterian parson, kept her company. Later, they told me they asked if she and Will often had pilgrims come to visit. Not as much anymore, Suge said. When you get old, they put you on a shelf. If there's anyone that the American church needs to take off the shelf today, it's Will Campbell. Racism and discrimination persist, yet the church is the least integrated institution in America. Christian social action and liberalism advocated by Will and Thomas Merton are vilified by shithook tyrants like Dobson, Falwell, Robertson, and Colson. The majority of evangelical and Catholic Christians lend their support to a war that is an affront to Protestant and Catholic traditions. Who better than Will Campbell to help liberal Christians figure out where they are and where to go from here? It was past the dinner hour, so again we rose to go, but once again Will kept us there. He had been speaking most with John, the Catholic corporate lawyer who loves Will's books, and adopted him as a spiritual father that day. Will, using his cane, and John wandered back toward the cabin, while the others went in the general direction of the cars. Curious, I went back to the cabin and found John and Will, who was screwing the lid off a mason jar. The jar had a paper label that read, Ark of the Covenant. It's whiskey, John whispered to me. Pure Kentucky sour mash, made by Tom T. Hall. I nearly lost my footing. Go get them other boys, Will told me. So I went and rounded them up. As we stood in a circle on the porch, Will came out of the cabin door holding the Ark of the Covenant at eye level. Will's hands were trembling, so John asked if he could hold the jar. It's my house, Will said. I'm the priest here. He took a drink and held it out to Russell, saying, The blood of Christ. Thanks be to God, the Reverend Russell answered, taking a drink and passing it on to Parson Bill. The blood of Christ. Thanks be to God. When it came my turn, I choked up but took a drink. As Russell said later, I know you want to tell everybody you drank Tom T. Hall's whiskey, but you didn't. You drank the blood of Christ. I passed it on to Neil and Pastor Kyle and Professor Chris and Kurt, the musical genius, and the circle was complete. As we drove back to Nashville, I thought about James Allison, about the high priest emerging from the Holy of Holies, bringing God to the people, the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant, 
the crisis of story, and the funny coincidences I have encountered. I thought about a sailboat in Lake of the Woods and trips to the Boundary Waters, flasks of wine and whiskey, impromptu communions over the years. I thought about my lack of faith, my deep down gut feeling that it's all fiction, and the warmth I feel for it in my bones, the sense that even if it's fiction, it still might be the only salvation. And even if I don't believe it, it still might be true. Let's pray. God, we don't all believe in you, or we don't know if we believe in you or not. But we love the world, we love the universe, and we're thankful for everything we have. Amen. Thank you.